New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Our guest today is an interfaith spiritual teacher who resides in the southwest of the United States. She teaches from broad experience with many spiritual traditions from around the world, as well as her communion with nature. Trees, in particular, have a deep significance for her, and she's developed a series of teachings and meditations using the metaphor of trees. One of her teachings involves healing our ancestral roots, and we'll be exploring what this means with our guest, Shannon Sullivan. Shannon Sullivan is a certified spiritual director, licensed massage therapist, creative writer, songwriter and performer, and photographer. She combines her passion for the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual worlds into her everyday life in Tucson, Arizona, and has been facilitating eco-spiritual workshops. Join us for the next hour as we explore how connecting deeply with trees can lead you into a deeper connection with yourself, with our guest, Shannon Sullivan. I'm speaking with Shannon in our home by remote connection. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Shannon, welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to have you. I would love for you to, to tell us, I know that you work with interfaith traditions from all over the world. So just give us a little flavor of what took you probably beyond your your roots as you grew up. I, did you grow up Christian or Jewish or or pagan or um I grew up in a home that did not practice um any spiritual traditions or any religious faiths. My father was born into a Mormon family and he himself went on a mission uh, for two years in Mexico, but shortly after he returned, um, not sure quite what happened, but he lost his faith in that direction and left the Mormon uh, tradition. And then my mom grew up in the Catholic tradition and struggled with it greatly. So when she was on her own, uh, left 
uh, Catholicism. And so when they got together and we were a family, uh, we didn't practice any particular traditions. So it is more based around school and home and, and all of um, those things, but not spiritually. So when did you first get interested in spiritual traditions? Uh, it's been a lifelong, I guess, path or journey to understand my connection with uh, the world, the mystery. And um, initially it was a deeper difficulty um, in my 20s of, well, why am I here? And um, what's the point if um, all I'm doing is just living a regular life, um, working? Um, it just didn't make sense to me, especially with all the suffering that occurred in the world. And um, that, I think that severe disconnection and pain uh, led me into exploring more deeply um, different spiritual paths. But it took about another 10 years before a, an open door opened up for me to really look at um, faith and understanding myself in this higher connection. Can you describe that moment, that opening of that door, that that pivotal moment? Um, I, yes. <laughs> I went to massage school, um, and that was 20 years ago. And initially, how I approached it was because I was a gymnast, I approached um, massage therapy from the sports tradition of healing muscle tissue. And that's why I went, because I wanted to heal people um, physically. And through that year of class, um, I had a couple teachers that also studied um, connection with energy, which I didn't understand what they were talking about. And as I practiced and touched more people through healing, um, I began to bump into those fields of energy that didn't make any sense to my mind, um, but my hands could feel it. You were, you were going into some sort of intuitive feel that was coming in through your hands? Yes, I, I remember the very moment where um, I just graduated and was starting a private practice. And there was a client who came into the office. She had a lot of anger, um, and I picked up on that. But when I went to touch her to massage, she was laying on her stomach, my hands met um, about six inches above her back, a wall, like, literally it felt like a brick wall. And I thought, oh my gosh, what's that? <laughs> and I realized like, oh, that's the energy field that some of my teachers were talking about. And um, then once I recognized it, and then I could do the massage for her, but it was very difficult to penetrate um, into her being because she she didn't really want to receive and that took me on just an exploration of Reiki and 
energy work and chakras and it just I think I had that awareness in me because I'm empathic and have been since I was a child but I didn't have a word for it until that moment so yeah that's a it's a beautiful story uh to be so awakened by your body and your teachings really have that kind of embodiment to them I from what I can gather um so one of the teachings that you do is called the family tree mm -hmm. and this is um looking at how we can heal our ancestral roots and I'd I'd love for you to describe what what you mean by healing those ancestral roots and what they have to do with with physical trees so if we look at um the spirituality of a tree um so a lot of what's taught um is more the physical aspects of trees and our connection with needing to care for them um, because of the environment which is yes very important and then i also look at them as um, spiritual teachers um, so each tree um, depending on like if it's an oak tree or a beech tree um, has its own teaching and if we mirror um, the tree as ourselves the roots of the tree go into the ground and the ground carries um, the nutrients that we need to survive so our own roots you know is our environment that we're living in meaning our home or our spiritual self is it full of nutrients that feed us and then if we look at the trunk of the tree um, what they found is physically when they listen to the trunk of a tree the water moving up the tree and then back down and that creates a rhythm or a pulse which sounds sort of like a heartbeat well the i work with the physical body doing cranial sacral uh, therapy and that rhythm the cerebral spinal fluid moves through what would then be the mirror of the trunk of us and that creates also our heartbeat and our rhythm and then you have our branches which if you imagine those be our arms um, those things that we can reach out for um, so if a tree reaches out for sunlight in order to feed itself through photosynthesis do we reach out and receive um, what do we receive when we reach out because some some of us don't know that we can receive outwardly um, that we need to ask for help from others uh, and so learning that from trees helps us learn about ourselves and then um, so if you take all parts of the tree and mirror it well, what tree comes to you and what is it trying to teach you that helps you become more yourself and more connected to yourself and and the roots also explore um, our ancestral history that affects who we are in this world so 
um, that's uh, what I explore in some of my work with um, people in order to heal some of those wounds from uh, the ancestry which affect our present present life. So you're saying that the, our ancestors, our actual physical ancestors, um, their, their wounds and trauma are then carried within our own roots, uh, within our own, I'm not sure if you would say DNA or what you would yes, say. Uh -huh. Yeah, I would. So we'll be talking about how, how trees can actually talk with us and actually communicate with us and um, how, how there's a, a whole network of energy available to us as we think about trees and maybe even meditate next to a tree or use trees in some way. So they'll be speaking about that in, in just one moment. We'll get more into that in just one moment, but I, I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Shannon Sullivan, and she is a an interfaith spiritual teacher and, and many other things. Uh, and if you want to know more about her work and all that she's doing with her many meditations and uh, some of her essays and blogs, you can go to her website, and that's theblueherencreates.com. And heron is spelled H-E-R-O-N, theblueherencreates, with an S on the end, creates.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to new dimensions. My guest today is interfaith spiritual teacher, Shannon Sullivan, and we're talking about healing our ancestral roots. First of all, why is it important, Shannon, to go back into our ancestral roots? Um, I'll approach it from um, my own personal story um, because it helps me explain it more. As a child growing up, I was highly sensitive and empathic, however, our family didn't have definitions about what that meant. And it wasn't until I left the house in my 20s to go to college that I discovered that a lot of the things I was feeling 
um, in my nervous system, anxiety, panic attacks, uh, feelings of fear weren't necessarily mine. And as uh, more was uncovered in our family, that I was told more that I wasn't told when I was growing up was about the abuse that my mom and her sister faced um, with their alcoholic father, who my grandfather, um, I had grown up with him, but didn't spend a lot of time with him. I just knew I was uncomfortable being around him. And he passed away when I was 15. And as I discovered that that trauma was affecting my own life, I really needed to go in and uncover how to work with it and and heal all those wounded places because I realized that my mom and my aunt had not done any work around it, um, no counseling, and had just moved through life, you know, and survived. And, um, but I knew I needed to approach it if I was going to live a life where it wasn't full of fear and anxiety and panic all the time. So it took me into discovering that because my own childhood was not fearful. And so why would I feel scared if my own childhood was not scary? And it was because of um, that history that I carried within me from my mom who carried it from um, her father. And so discovering that helped me to become um, where I enjoy being uh, <laughs> alive and um, part of this world and wanting to give back. And and in that discovery and going back there, you discovered quite a few things about not only your grandfather, but his father before him. Is that right? Yes. Um, so this, it doesn't happen overnight. And um, this whole exploration has been occurring for about 20 years now. And I'm always amazed at the information or the aha moments that come um, when they do. And after my grandmother died uh, 13 years ago, uh, my mom and I had access to my grandfather's military records. And through reading them, we, between that and the pictures of their family growing up, put together that he probably suffered um, from mental illness, but it wasn't diagnosed. And he had a lot of paranoia, so a lot of foil on the windows and the block walls around the house went up. And it's like, oh, okay. So understanding that he suffered deeply. And, and then because of that suffering, my mom went to research his ancestry. And through that, we discovered that when he was two years old, his family had come over from Italy um, over to New York to work and, and find freedom. However, um, his mom died in a fire and the family had six children and him and his uh, younger sister were um, put in a orphanage because the father couldn't care for them and work at the same time. So he literally grew up with no family. 
And I'm quite sure that abandonment um, affected him greatly. So when I could look at my grandfather as a wounded child and somebody that suffered, then I could um, find forgiveness around um, all that played out in our families over that time. And I imagine that that was helpful to your mother. You said that she really hadn't looked into any of this before, but what did it open up for her? It allowed her to see her father differently, to sort of find closure between the life she had lived with him as a child versus understanding him as a person, the complexity which creates each of us. And because I was willing to go deeply in and because she always follows where I go, she won't go there on her own, but she will with me, then it allows us both to discover this healing uh, within our roots so that our family can um, find peace instead of carrying places of extreme pain because of what happened back then. And oftentimes this is like unconscious pain. I mean, yes. that we don't even know it's there. Yeah. Shannon, what, uh, what are the questions that one would begin to ask to, to start this journey of healing the wounds of our ancestors? Well, the first one I asked of myself, because in spiritual direction, um, as a spiritual director, when, when I work with other people um, on their path, you ask questions, but you don't have answers. And so you bring people more deeply into their own understanding through questions. And, the, you know, one of the questions is, Am I feeling, what feelings am I experiencing in my body? Um, so is there sadness or grief or anger? And if so, are those my own? And because I don't think that people know sometimes that the anger or the sadness or the pain that they're experiencing, when they feel it, believe that it is all their own. And so really getting them to um, go in and say, is this mine? And if, if the question I ask when, is this mine, if those feelings temporarily lift, then we know from that beginning place that no, not all those feelings are theirs. And then by exploring those, how can I move deeply into those feelings and um, release them so that I can live a better life and um, allowing ourselves to really move into places of difficulty in order to come out the other side of, to find joy even in that path. When uh, you begin to see a relative in um, as, a, as a real person, with their own history and their own uh, cosmology and whatever affected them. It, does this make it possible for 
uh, forgiveness more easily than when we start to see them in a in a broader way? Yes, it's one of the bigger teachings that I try and share with others. Uh, forgiveness is uh, tricky for some people in that sometimes we think, like if I said, well, I forgive my grandfather for abusing my mom and my aunt. Um, I'm not forgiving uh, the action that happened when he was an adult. However, if I look at him as a person and find out all his history about where that came from, then I can forgive what he experienced that created the environment for that. And in that forgiveness, what it does is it's not about releasing him from that. It's about releasing ourselves from that pain. Um, because when we carry those wounds in our own heart, um, the bitterness only diseases us or poisons us. So the forgiveness is when we look at it from that broader perspective, it allows us to let go of that pain and always carry that as sort of a victim story and instead an empowering um, story of, well, this is where I came from, but how can I release it and, and move into the world in a better place? And I, I know that there's a, a place that you work that you, you could both grieve for our family, but there's an honoring also there at the same time. Can you speak to that? Uh, we talked about how I sort of pull um, different faiths and traditions into my own practice. And part of this one um, comes from the Catholic practice. Um, because I grew up in Yuma, Arizona, we're right on the border. And so there's a large Hispanic um, population and uh Growing up around that, you see in the Catholic tradition, like the All Souls procession um, and the offering to the family, which is called La Frenda. And it's the offering. So it's the offering to our ancestors. And part of what I did for our family to bring my grandfather back in spiritually to our circle, because I wouldn't be here without him, was to create an altar and create an, an offering to him with his picture and flowers and food and really like honor um, who he was um, because I want him to be uplifted so that we are as well. And, and so that's part of... Um, one of the practices I use to to honor my ancestors. You know, any of us who have been had the privilege of checking into uh, uh, this Hispanic culture, especially that that when they go into the end of October, the first of November, uh, the Day of the Dead, mm -hmm. and and it's a big huge thing for them and and sometimes i know that for me i've i've gone to san francisco uh to the different places where they've 
people have set up these altars, little rooms Mm -hmm. that just have incredibly elaborate altars that are so beauty filled and Mm -hmm. and all their ancestors are there in this honoring. And I, I suppose also this is true in the Shinto tradition in Japan. um, Uh So um, we'll talk more about this and talk more about the ways that you, you use the different art that you use for healing. I'm here with Shannon Sullivan and she is a interfaith spiritual teacher and I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and you're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Shannon Sullivan. She's an interfaith spiritual teacher who resides in Tucson, Arizona. And um, her website, if you would like to connect with her, with her blogs and her teachings and many other things on her website, you can go to it. It's called the Blue Heron Creates.com. And Heron is spelled H-E-R-O-N, the Blue Heron Creates, with an S in the end, creates.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. And Shannon, we're talking about trees and as the family tree and, and also the physical tree. And before we go into other modes of, of ways that you use for healing, do you recommend that we find a tree either in our imaginary world or in the real world that we connect with. I know you talk about a particular tree in Arizona in one of the parks that you've connected with. Yes, one of, um, well, uh, I see trees as uh, my friends. And uh, so just like with a new friend, you would want to um, learn more about that friend. Um, the way to ask questions of trees is more through our imagination and intuition and connecting through feeling. And I have several meditations where I teach people how to connect through guided meditation to trees spiritually. And through that, then I usually give an assignment to then move that into the physical world, where once you've connected with a tree through meditation and through intuition, to then go out into your environment and physically connect with a tree. And what that does, that touch along with the um, intuition, so you have it on the physical and the spiritual planes together, it really um, begins to bring um, more of your intuition to life by connecting it into the physical world. And so I like to um, have people do both. You know, uh, many folk tales and fairy tales and myths, they'll talk about going into the forest and 
the guide, many times they'll be described, the guide comes out of the tree. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, physically starts to appear out of the tree. So uh, this has been part of our heritage for hundreds of yes. years. So, and I'm I'm thinking also there's there's a wonderful book. It's one of the great ecological novels of the, our time, and it's uh, by Annie Prue called Bark Skins, mm -hmm. and it shows a whole history of the forest told in a historical novel form of the uh, U.S. Uh, Northeast and Canada to uh, that whole uh, migration of people and, and mm -hmm. trees. And it's just, I highly recommend it. It's called Bark Skins. I, I can really feel that how uh, trees are so resilient and can weather violent storms and they have deep roots. And um, I think that you even climb this tree that you've, you talk about. Um, the one, at, I have a specific uh, meditation that I did for her. And it's a grandmother ironwood tree. And I just actually went yesterday to visit her because uh, she's blooming right now. Um, but she's about 30 minutes uh, east of where I live in the Ironwood Park and she's about 900 years old and the first time I met her I was able to climb up into her and hang out and I just I said thank you for being so wise you're so old and she's like who are you calling old and I'm like oh my gosh and so she she said, how old is the earth? And I said, uh, billions of years? Uh, yeah. How old am I? 900 years? And I'm like, oh, right, you're not old. <laughs> um, I'm so, I'm, but you're older than I am. So I respect that. And um, ironwood trees, um, part of the teachings that I share is their uh, wood was often used uh, to make nails because it was that strong. That's why it's called ironwood. However, when you see her bloom, she has these soft, small, pink, like delicate blooms. And so I was asking her sort of what that represented for people um, as a teaching. And she shared that it, it meant that in this world, sometimes we have to be as tough as nails however in order to stay connected we also have to keep an open heart and be soft um so that we keep our humanity um while still being tough and and following the things that we want to right i'm reminded of years some years ago we did several interviews with julia butterfly hill Mm -hmm. And she spent over 700 days up in a redwood tree. Oh, she wow. Luna. Uh -huh. She thought that she was going up for a few days, and it <laughs> turned out to save the, the forest around from being clear-cut. Uh -huh. she, she crawled up into the tree, and she lived there for <laughs> 
uh, over 700 days. That's amazing. And um, I I just imagine we talked to her while she was in the tree, and then we were talking to her when she first put her feet back on earth Mm. after that time, and what a transition that was. Uh, you can imagine. I but, can imagine. Uh, uh, many of us can refer to our childhoods and think of some particular tree. I think children really gravitate to trees in some ways. That we we hide in them, we hide behind them, we climb them. We we they're they're sometimes our first friends in some ways. Um, but I would like for you to talk about other ways that you also work with people in in their healing and in their opening and awakening. And uh, so you use um, artwork sometimes. You use uh, collage work. Is is that right? Can you say something about that? Yes. Um, one of the um, as I was on my journey of um, healing the our uh, family wounds um, and was gathering the soul of our family back together. Um, If you imagine like collage work um, being separate pieces and pulling them all in together um, and creating a piece of art out of it. So you take all these separate pieces that are split apart and um, I think in shamanic work, they call it soul retrieval. So it'd be similar to soul retrieval, but for the family. And to continue my healing on that path, what I would do is um, take pictures of the family um, that where there were splits um, physically between everybody and honoring them and taking writing from my grandmother and pictures of my grandma and grandpa and of the family and the energies that represented them. So an image of the Empire State Building where they came through and when they immigrated to the country, um, the hummingbird to represent my grandma, um, Hawaii, Um, to represent um, the love of, uh, that was home um, spiritually uh, for my family, even though we didn't live there, but we often visited. And bringing all those pieces of um, beauty together and creating a collage out of them and, and honoring those pieces into a whole picture so as to see the beauty in all that was, um, even despite the painful places. So this gives you another medium that's rather visual, mm-hmm. and, and it brings it to life in a kind of visual display of what that might look like. Yeah, and I um, have it in my home. Uh, I framed it. So that I can see it each day and and remember and love and um, open my heart to um, our family and sending love out um, 
because even though my grandmother and grandfather are, are gone, um, you know, our souls continue to live and continue to learn. And um, even though their journey on the earth is not currently going on, it is through me. And so as I heal and see that beauty through that visual art, um, it brings uh, joy to, to my heart. You also do, uh, speaking about other traditions and, and bringing in other traditions, uh, you bring in chanting. There's a chant you have uh, uh, or meditation that you have chanting to the moon. Mm -hmm. And and what is the purpose of that, and and how can we use that? Um, there's a a song that I wrote, and it's a harvest full moon song, and I say I wrote it, but actually it sort of was a gift to me um, from uh, my spirit, and um, what it talks about is. Uh, if you see the moon um, spiritually as, um, especially the full moon, uh, when you go out and see that its light is the fullest in that moment and that it's shining brightly in the dark, it represents uh, shining light into the darker places within us. And by doing that... Um, sort of bringing them to light so that we can work on them. And um, so this particular song is a celebration of that, that no matter what we're experiencing, whether it's joy or pain or grief or um, love, that these places are, um, that the moon holds light on them so that we can really honor them. Um, and it, I think it reflects sort of that shadow work um, that if we delve deeper into it, allows us also to heal. And so the song is a, a way to do that lightly without, you know, creating suffering around it and instead um, through joy. I'm here with Shannon Sullivan, and she is an interfaith spiritual teacher who resides in Tucson, Arizona, and I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. There's a full moon rising, rising high. There's a full moon rising, big and bright. There's a full moon rising, harvest her name. There's a full moon rising, rising. I'm here with Shannon Sullivan. She's an interfaith spiritual teacher, and we're talking about 
healing wounds from our ancestors and our own awakening. And uh, we were talking about the moon and singing to the moon. And I'm, I'm thinking about the moon. Uh, my husband and I, when we lived up in on the hills of uh, Hopland, California, on the side of a mountain with other, you know, kind of back to the land, mm -hmm. uh, that first summer, we spent the whole summer sleeping outside. Right. That's awesome. Our, our bed, our friends moved our bed outside <laughs> and as a joke. And <laughs> we ended up sleeping all summer long because it doesn't rain in the summer, usually in um, California. And so we, we were out there all the time. And it was funny, our, our cat, Penelope, uh -huh. Penny, we called her, she wouldn't come with us outside. She usually slept with us, but she wouldn't come out with us except when the moon was full. Oh, interesting. Then she would come out. She felt safe <laughs> enough to come out in the full moon, and she knew it was a full moon. And that's when she'd follow us out and jump in bed with us, uh, which was very interesting how she was connected to the to the cycle of the moon. That's awesome. And yeah, it, it it really is awesome. And it just reminds me that in using chants and songs, you bring in that from many traditions in your work. Is that true? Yes. Uh, for uh, 10 years, I've sung with a group here in Tucson, and it's run by uh, Victor Shamas. And he's a professor, or was, uh, he's retired, but um, he's still a teacher, called Global Chant. And the idea is uh, meeting once a week and gathering as a group um, with people and bringing instruments in and uh, these short chants um, from all over um, the world, Native American traditions, Celtic, um, Jewish, um, Christian, Hindu, uh, Hawaiian, uh, Sufi, Buddhist. The idea is to honor spirit through song and by bringing um, this resonation into the world to heal our hearts and knowing that all traditions um, practice some sort of uh, healing through song and it also uh, when we sing that vibration in our throat uh, carries into our heart um, that that song and really connects us with the feeling of what we're experiencing and so that has provided a lot of uh, healing on my path as well to to sing and when you are doing these uh, chants, because they are held in all these traditions and held for hundreds of years, I mean, mm -hmm. what you're tapping into mm -hmm. is is hundreds of thousands of people who yes. have chanted these chants many, many times. So mm -hmm. uh, it, do, do you feel that that gives them more power uh, for for healing and for awakening? Is is that your experience? I, I do because when I would sing um, and allowed myself to move into the piece, 
my voice uh, would come from my chest and the sound was more than what I would normally sing. Um, so this spirit of collective energy uh, moving through me when I allowed it and it it was uh, very expansive. And so realizing that these traditions are carried by so many people um, for thousands of years. The idea of, you know, mantras or um, songs that are looped are to get us out of our mind and to really shift things for us um, into our heart space, um, to listen to our bodies in a different way. And yeah, so really when you could let go of the mind and what was happening that day, you know, no matter what you were going through, you could put it away for a little while and move into this heart space. And um, it's very powerful. You know, I recall um, when my husband died in 2012, a circle of us, a circle of my sisters of the heart mm -hmm. came with me to the crematorium where he, he was going to be cremated. Mm -hmm. And they allowed us to go back into the crematorium and where and, and we were with him and his body and mm -hmm. just standing around him. And I did some prayers. I had written a prayer for him um, to Our Lady of Guadalupe, who mm -hmm. was very powerful icon for him and helper and guide for him. We had, the two of us had been practicing Buddhism for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And um, spontaneously, I did this Om Mani Padma Om mm -hmm. chant. It was called the Guru Rinpoche chant. Uh -huh. And it, just like you said, it came from a different part mm -hmm. of me. I was shocked <laughs> by my own voice. Yes. It was so powerful. Mm -hmm. and I just, I'm recalling it as I'm speaking <laughs> this right now. The power of that chant, it seemed like all the people in all the world mm -hmm. that had ever existed that had chanted that chant were there with me chanting his transition yes. into the next phase. And I, it was a very, very powerful moment for me. And I think for him as he yes. moved into this new place. Yeah, because those songs create a bridge um, between the past, those who sung it, into the present, you who were singing it, into uh, the bridge into transition, you know, back to the soul um, and whatever way we feel connected to um, the spirit or mystery. So it's like this bridge of past, present, and um, moving into the next. Um, and yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm also reminded of that African saying, um, when um, a soul is born, uh, people, the, the tribal, if they're living in that kind of indigenous way, that, that they, they understand the soul of this, this little being. Mm -hmm. and, and as the soul grows up, they, they understand the song of this soul. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a saying that um, 
these people who surround us, such as our elders and, and friends of the heart who support us in our fullness, they can sing that song to us when we've forgotten who we are yeah. and connect it back. And this is the power of, of the friendships of people who, who know us and know our song. Would you, yes. would you agree with that? I, I do. Um, as I've been on my path, um, so I've been part of a spiritual community, St. Francis in the Foothills, and it's a United Methodist church-based but uh, before I went there, I had just had a sort of a falling out with my other spiritual community, which was quite devastating for me. And I was meeting with my spiritual director, and he he said to me, um, because at that time I was very like anti-church, I guess. <laughs> Um, just just try St. Francis, because he had founded it. He goes, it's different. It's, and I said, but it's a church, Frank. And But what I did was I had to surrender and uh, went. And it's the best thing I did because I met my spiritual family there through choir. And it's helped me grow into the person I am now because they actually allowed me, because that particular church, we are interfaith, even though it's United Methodist, um, we practice interfaith, so we bring in um, from all traditions. And um, they allowed me to be my full self. Um, I already had my spiritual path coming in, um, and they allowed me to express in the way that I needed to 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 be who I was more um, and call me into being um, when I myself couldn't necessarily do that. And so I think that um, that song of the soul from our friends and um, our tribe members, uh, our spiritual family uh, lifts us up when when we can't always uh, lift ourselves up. Exactly. I know that you have written about um, that uh, Japanese spiritual practice known as Kansuki, Kansuji. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. not sure how to pronounce it. Kintsuji, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's where uh, broken pottery is repaired with uh, gold and it becomes more valuable. And I think of your falling falling away yeah then the broken pot was put back together with gold uh i, I just love that and that's that's also part of your writing in in your blogs um yeah shannon i want to thank you so much for being thank with you. us today yeah thank you justine i'm so grateful to have been here and to have shared with you and all the stories that we got to share today yes thank you if um people want to be in touch with uh, you, they can go to your website, theblueherencreates.com. Heron is spelled H-E-R-O-N, theblueherencreates.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3704. 
New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.